It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Stuart Brennan. Hello there. And by Simon Bykowski. Hello. It's nice to have you both back. The new season is upon us and you both had the luxury of one of the worst away days of the season to kick it all off. How was West Ham for you, Stu? Did you enjoy your trip to London? Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, Simon spent the entire journey with a, with a coat over his head. Good company. Because he was obviously thrilled to be in at the start of a new season. And, uh, I wasn't even and sleeping, delight, I just didn't want to speak to Stu. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the one way to get him to stop talking. My boring old stories about the 80s, I think that might be what did for him in the end. But, uh, oh, it wasn't like this when I used to come to West Ham in the 80s. You were lucky to get away with your life. But now it was, yeah, I mean... <sighs> Uh, West Ham used to be great, I think, going to Upton Park just just yeah. to prove what Simon thought on the way down. But I, I, Upton Park was atmospheric, you know. It was a real, a real challenge. You know, no matter how West Ham were doing, the crowd were always up for it. The players were always up for it. I just find London Stadium a bit sterile. You know, it's sort of plonked in the middle of a park. Um, you walk through a shopping centre to get there. Uh, it didn't help the fact that when you're getting there, the Wi-Fi is terrible and the phone signal. So <laughs> in terms of strictly working there, it, it drives you. So was the, the well. was the Wi-Fi better at Upton Park, even though it was the old stadium? Uh, re- <laughs> won't, go, won't go that far. No, I, 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 don't, I don't remember. <laughs> is that nostalgia you, speaking? <laughs> yeah. You expect an Olympic stadium to be yeah. spot on with things like that, and it, and it wasn't. And then you get to your, your seat, and you you seem to be sitting a mile away mm. from the from the action. So I I just don't like it, and you, and you kind of wonder whether that sort of passed itself on to the West Ham players because whenever City go to London Stadium they just run riot it's a non-event uh, isn't it again. almost yeah they just they, they used to have tough times at Upton Park you know they've lost a few down there and draw, drawn the odd game uh, even since they became really good um but now they just they just turn up at London Stadium and it's almost a gimmick you can see the West Ham players as soon as the first goal goes in um they've virtually given up you know it's just like here we go again okay so how many how many are they going to score yeah that that stat is absolutely unbelievable that City have played five games at the London Stadium and have scored 22 of the 98 West Ham have conceded. Is it five? What, it was a percent, was it 9% fi- or something? I think they've played 7% of the games and scored like 23% of the goals. Yeah, I've been seeing it. Obscene. Oh, it is obscene. They just go there and absolutely tonk them every time. So you enjoyed it then? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I always enjoy That's the getting, right getting paid to cover football matches. That's right, that's uh, right. Yeah, it was a, a strange game, I thought. I didn't think City were anywhere near the best. I it's, thought West Pep, Ham played all right. Pep said, didn't he, that he was uh, unhappy with the first half performance at least as well. Uh, did you think there was a chance made for West Ham to... Because, I mean, before the game, the chat was all about, well, if there's a time to play City... <laughs> and this seems to be the cliche every week. If there's a time to play City, it's this week, and then they lose 5-0. Maybe it wasn't this week. But do you think there was maybe an opportunity for, for West Ham to, to have come out and exploited maybe City's weakness in that first yeah, half? Yeah, I think they could have given him 
problems. I mean, Rodri got caught on the ball a few times coming out of uh, the box and they had a chance at 2-0. If that goes in and Edison doesn't make a good double save, then, you know, maybe a bit of trouble 2-1 for the last 15, 20 minutes. Um, But West Ham didn't. They didn't do it, did they? So unlucky. They go again next week. Simple as that, really. Yeah, I guess starting point really is always going to be well, there's two points on this week. VAR and Raheem Sterling. We'll start on the positive. Raheem Sterling, hat-trick for him on the opening day. Could have been four if uh, technology hadn't been involved. But what did you make of Sterling's performance overall, Stu? Because it always seems that people that say, well, yeah, he's better in front of goal, but Raheem Sterling will still miss those chances, but he keeps on delivering the goods. Yeah, he was, he was pretty clinical. Um, three really good finishes. Um, I, was, I mean, I... I I did the player ratings and I gave Mares man of the match. It's not often you do that when a player gets a hat trick. Um, that was partly because Mares was was outstanding, you know, involved in all five goals. Uh, but also partly because although Sterling finished those three and and was was really good in the second half, I thought he was pretty poor in the first half. Um, he sounds really churlish, but these are the kind of guys <laughs> we're talking about with City now. You know, if somebody has a is a bad has a bad thirty forty five, he only minutes, scored three. He only scored the three, and, <laughs> and it was only absolutely world class in the second half uh, when they scored four goals. <laughs> but it, it is it is. I mean, really, it gets boring talking about how great City are. So you. you tend to start looking you have, for you have to find thing, a negative you know? don't you? And that, that's not that's not because I'm being anti-sitter or anything. it's just like finding something <laughs> different to talk about um, but yeah I mean he, he, Pep made the point I think that in the community shield he missed a couple of one-on-ones uh, maybe it was because it was against Liverpool and he was it was playing with his mind um, but Pep said that he'd, he'd gone away and and obviously thought about it and worked on it uh, and his finishing was was far better in the in the West Ham game when it mattered more, of course. Um, but he's he's become that player now, you know. He, and and the more he does it, I mean, he started the season with a hat trick like that and three good finishes. Next game he has Tottenham if he gets a chance, his confidence is up, you know, and he believes he's going to score when he gets in those positions. So it, it can only do him good. I mean, you're sort of looking for the point where somebody somebody else finishes top scorer in a season we, we're so used to Aguero doing it season after season uh, and I just wonder I know it's, it's only one game in, but I just wonder whether this comes a season that Sterling finishes top scorer he's got all the he's got the attributes and he's never injured um, so he's got he's got every chance he's 3-1 up already yeah it's got to kill one of my questions for later on of who's going to be top scorer this season but we'll, <laughs> we'll give you the whole podcast to think about just in case you change your mind is he uh, is he 4-1 up are we counting the shield nah you can if you want me yeah. <laughs> Ask a Liverpool fan if they count it or not, then you'll get your answer. Uh, would you have given Sterling the penalty? Aguero missed and then retook it and did score. What I really liked for Sterling's third goal is that he didn't pass to Aguero. Yeah, it's the type of selfishness that's striking. It, yeah, because he was um, he was he was not in the best of moods after that Jesus goal got disallowed for VAR and then he was not in the best of moods when Aguero took the penalty and then missed the penalty and then took the ball again and Aguero's not going to say here you are have some of my goals Um, but he then you know did it his own way had the chance to square it for Aguero to get another and thought no I'm not having this I'm taking it for myself it was good because well, I guess in the charity shield there was that chance when Walker broke through and yeah. sometimes it's always been with Sterling you, you sense he does sometimes want to pa- pass it across and they have the tap in but if you want to be a top striker you want to be a top scorer you have just got to be selfless 
selfish. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because sort of, you know, there's any way he can go from now. Like there are so... He's already an incredible player, but he can improve in so many different ways. But it's just goals he's focused on. He just wants goals and he's already got three on the opening day, one in the shield. So it'd be uh, very exciting, really, because... Guardiola has said he thinks he can be a really good central striker to um, to see to see how he goes. And you were saying uh, earlier, Rich, that he's always good for a tapping. He's always good for his position. So good, he's just aware. That's why we're saying about fantasy football. He's the man. Yeah, player to have. if you're gonna if you have one fantasy football player, get Sterling in. Yeah. And they've put him as a midfielder for some ridiculous <laughs> reason, still, which is just some flaw in the system. But yeah, fantastic. But. Uh, Another player you might want in his fantasy team, Stu, is Riyad Mahrez. Hat-trick of assists for him against West Ham. He's had a real good summer as well away at the African Cup of Nations and seen lots of fans sort of on social media saying, yeah, although he signed last summer, it's like a new signing again. He's really taken his game to a whole new level. And do you feel like there is maybe a new side to Riyad Mahrez we're seeing this season? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I thought he was unlucky last season. I mean, I think Pep made the point that if he'd got a run of games in the way that Bernardo did and Raheem Sterling mm. did, Pep said he would have been at that level. And I think a few people scoffed at that, thinking, well, he's never going to be at that level. Um, but he showed at Leicester that he is. You know, he's, he'd yet, he had last season he had to try and prove that he could do that at City, but he hardly got a run, of, run in the team. Do you think that penalty him. miss against Liverpool affected him last season? I don't think he did because we actually spoke to him after straight after that. You know, fair play to him. He, he fronted up and, and and sort of held his hands up and said it was his fault. And but I don't. I got the impression from that he's not the kind of player who who lets stuff like that knock his confidence. I think his confidence is all right. He just needs to play at Leicester. He played and played. He was one of the first names on the team sheet. He's not at City. Uh, if he can, if he can get that under his belt, if he can get starts under his belt and that's a perfect way to do it he's, he's seized his chance mm. I think I think City fans are all shaking you could see them on Twitter metaphorically shaking their heads when the team got announced and, but this happens all the time the team will come out and City fans what's he doing Pep <laughs> and then then the lad is involved in five goals but yeah. you kind of think that sooner or later they're going to clock on and think actually he does know what he's doing as well you know Guess he's, he's not yeah. picked Maris for nothing here um so yeah, I mean, so now it's it's his it's his shirt. He's in possession. You can't imagine him being dropped for Tottenham next week. So Bernardo Silva, does he start? It's unthinkable, really. Bernardo's Bernardo gone from the best player at the club to where do you play him? Absolutely. What a problem to have. Well, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's an incredible problem for City to have. I mean, and it, and it could drive another a title bid. Some, something as simple as that because you've got two. Of course, there are other options with Leroy Sane being out. You know, Sterling's got to keep his end up, or, or he'll be out of the team. Uh, and of course, Bernardo can fit in in those central positions as well. Um, but for me right now I mean De Bruyne and Silva are going to play against Tottenham so then it's Mares or Bernardo for that right and then obviously Sterling will play Mares or Bernardo for that right hand role and uh, who gets it who gets it the player who was just who for me was City's best player last season um, or the player who in the opening game of the season was City's best player by, by some distance really either way Pep will get it right or get it wrong <laughs> depends yeah. on which bit of social media you read doesn't it really uh, he does tend to get it right though, yeah I've noticed. I've noticed that as well even t- even when you doubt him it always seems to come good uh, <laughs> Cy Rodri's sort of 
first proper taste, shall we say, of English football, West Ham away. It wasn't maybe the most comfortable debut for him. There were good moments and, and bad. What have, you, what have you made so far of him since he's been in a City shirt? I think Rodri is brilliant for City. I think he's exactly what they need. Um, and I think one of his biggest strengths is that he's big. Mm. He's massive. Um, he's not very pacey, which is going to sort of cause a few problems, I think. I think he's got a turning circle of a cruise ship, <laughs> but he's so adept on the ball, but he just does that nasty side of the game so, so well. Um, Jack Wilshere, after the West Ham game, was thinks that he'll have no problem settling in, basically, as he nursed a, a dead leg that Rodri had given him. And he's just really smart he's a he's a thinker of the game he's sort of like a perfect Guardiola player and Guardiola thinks you know that year at Atletico when he's been learning under Diego Simeone is going to sort of mm-hmm. put him in good stead for adding to the City team because that's the big question with City they would get 100 points how do you get better the domestic clean sweep how do you get better and especially with Fernandinho struggling a bit towards the end of last season they needed to get that signing right this summer and it's very early days to say but I thought it was a very encouraging debut there were mistakes and he did get caught a few times but the positives far outweigh the negatives yeah, that that, uh, that side of the game that Manuel Pellegrini doesn't actually speak about even if, <laughs> even if quotes do get circulated which are fake about yes. hashtag tactical fouls and Man City being well he did he did talk about tactical fouls he just didn't say what that that, account that said viral tweet that's yes yeah gone in the wrong hands fake news who would have thought it social media don't believe everything you read on that unless it's from at Stu Brennan M-E-N in which case we know it's right Stu what have, you, what have you made of Rodri so far yourself uh, I, I think we're I think we're forgetting Fernandinho fairly quickly <laughs> uh, you know uh, it's no no great secret that I'm a huge admirer of Fernandinho um, and when he's fit I mean, I think Rodri looks looks. As, I agree with everything Simon said. He, he looks apart. He's physically physically right as well, uh, which is important in the Premier League. He, he adds something at set pieces as well. We've already seen that. You know, he defending set pieces where City have got a problem this season, uh, if you ask me. Um, but once Fernandinho's fit, I still see Fernandinho as a better all-round player. I think one aspect that I've not seen from Rodri. You see Fernandinho hitting 25, 30, 40-yard passes. Mm. I haven't seen Rodri do that yet. He's, he's neat and he's tidy and he plays short little passes and keeps the ball circulating and, and, and keeps moving teams around. Um, and he plays he, he play, just plays neat little neat little passes that, that bring players into play uh, and into space. But... I haven't seen him do what Fernandinho does in that he, he drives it, he drives the ball from defence going forwards, he, he passes he passes through the lines, he passes to the, the, the wings, he produces killer passes. I mean, I'm sure Rodri's got that in his locker, but we haven't seen it yet. And for me, if the two are fit from what I've seen, Fernandinho's still my number one. I know it's unfair to say, but for fans, do you think there's any sort of player that Rodri reminds you of? I know so lots of people compared him with sort of Busquets, sort of a bit more defensive-minded, a bit more reserved maybe in his midfield play. 
Do you, do you think there is, or, or do you think it is just unfair to compare him with anyone? He Cancelo, is just, isn't it? He's is just right. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's going to be a nightmare. At least he didn't have that nightmare <laughs> oh, far away in the heavens of the London Stadium. At least no, weekend. I've got new glasses, but there's no way I'm going to. I apologise now for all my tweets <laughs> this season. Do we need to get, get the two of them mixed up? Binoculars? So. Will they do your job or? <laughs> I, you, you're, not, you're not talking about bifocals, are you? <laughs> not another jibe at my age. No, not at all. <laughs> Unless you could convince one of them to dye their hair blonde or something. Well, yeah, we were talking <laughs> about that. Do you think that, you've got it? that sort of power, Stu? <laughs> can we get the hashtag going? Cop one in the, in the mix zone and uh, pull up some hair down. Pull a few favours, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, I guess while we're on Cancelo, he's a good sign to have. And he seems to have maybe brought the best out of Kyle Walker as well, because I was very impressed with his performance against West Ham. Were you, you Rich? Yeah, and obviously, my opinion counts for double doesn't it so uh, he yeah. um, he's matched his assists tally for his previous two seasons at City <laughs> got one in his, in his first year Good one in his second year and now he's got one in his third year um, yeah it's no secret that right back has been a bit of a problem position over the summer and uh, you had Danilo who City were kind of open to getting rid of but there weren't really any buyers and then Juve had a bit of a weird one and changed their mind and they've got Cancelo for a lot of money but they've got a club record fee for Danilo in sort of in return so they, and they were two separate deals weren't yeah, they yeah yeah so they paid 60 for Cancelo and got 34 for Danilo so that's like getting an upgrade for Net 26 FC, yeah. essentially um, and yeah I mean it's done the trick Cancelo's come in and said I want to be the number one right back and Walker's responded like that so uh, I mean I, I tried to get Guardiola on it after the game and he wasn't really biting but apart from centre back I can't think of any other season at City where they've had as good competition for places as they have in pretty much every position now yeah it's a good uh, good headache for Guardiola to have and a good reminder as well we saw how Good during preseason, Claudio Bravo was and reliable, but uh, as I mentioned earlier, Edison made a, a big impact in, in that game still at the weekend and that fine double save as well. He really is making a case maybe to be the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. I know he got it in the PFA team last year, Stu, but how impressed have you been with Edison? Not, I mean, he gets most of his credit, doesn't he, for his distribution and the way that he's uh, an asset to the attack as well, but his actual goalkeeping abilities and his saves are still of a high standard yeah he's, he's a good shot stopper I mean it, it, at 2-0 at West Ham he, he came up with a double save the first was a bit of a reflex which if, it, if he hadn't saved it it'd have been a nightmare <laughs> um, but the second one he, he got up and and got across to push it away and that, um, I don't think he's the, he's the best shot stopper you know I don't think he's in the kind of class of De, or De Gea when he's on form or, or people like that um, but I think if you put the two things together his, his ability with his feet and his shot stopping I think he is the best in the Premier League certainly for what City demanded mm. which is a, a, a keeper who can play a little bit um, I'm just hoping that we see something of him outfield <laughs> and my, my interest titillated when he played in a that charity, match, the charity yeah. match in Brazil in the in the summer he played out and uh, and looked better than anybody in the United <laughs> if we're being honest surprised I didn't try sign him as a new centre mid <laughs> yeah, well yeah, yeah. but um yeah, I mean, he's, he's it's his character and personality as well. He just he looks completely unfazed by everything. Teams have stopped trying to close him down now. Mm. You know, if he's got the ball at his feet, they don't bother because he's, uh, you know, he's so he's so adept. And you know, you're just going to open yourself up. Uh, and it, it, 
it's such an asset for City. You know, you've, if you've got eleven outfield players, you've got an advantage straight away, and and that that's what they've got got with with this guy. Um, you talk about Claudio Bravo. I mean, I thought he was excellent in the in the Community Shield. Um, he had one or two moments on tour, I believe, but um, I thought he was good in the Community Shield, and I think people have written him off too quickly. I think people forget that he was he was a top class keeper. You know, you don't get to to that kind of status without without being good. Um, he had a shocking debut season for City, but it was in a, it was a season where um, you know things weren't weren't in his favour because they had the, they had a new system coming in. Uh, everyone was struggling with it. Vincent Company said uh, it was like trying to understand Chinese when when the manager first started putting across his ideas. If you're a goalkeeper playing behind a defence that's trying to trying to cope with speaking Chinese, <laughs> you've uh, you've got a problem, and I, I think it showed. I mean, John Stones bounced back from that, but John Stones had an equally awful season, uh, but then came came back from it. Bravo didn't get the chance because in the summer they bought Edison. Uh, and I, I feel for him a little bit. I think he's a genuine, honest man. I think he's a, he's a very good goalkeeper. Um, and I, I, he'll get his chance this season in the Cups. To, Not to if Scott that. Carson has anything to do about it. <laughs> well, yeah, Scott Carson... That was it. That was a, a nice treat for you on deadline day, wasn't it, Sighton? It was a wonderful way to wake up to <laughs> see Scott Carson on his way to Manchester City. Is that one of your uh, transfers of recent years? I, I always like the third choice goalkeeper signing. I like the... Uh, yeah, it was certainly in one of them. Well, it, it made deadline day more interesting. It was more enjoyable to sort of get to the bottom of, of that than... Uh, than if City weren't signing anyone. And I was thrilled to see that he got the the big push from City. He got <laughs> cheeky Bagheeristan talking about what he can add to the that squad. And, was brilliant. <laughs> and all nine pictures in the press release. Do you think all. we'll see Scott at some point in the season? I'd be amazed if we did. Would you? Yeah. Not I now. mean, you, you might see him just not in a City shirt playing a game. <laughs> you, might, yeah, you might see him in the stands. But. Yeah, I, I, I suppose he could get on the bench for a cup game if they give Edison the night off. Yeah, I'm half expecting to see him dishing out the meals in the press line. <laughs> but no, he would, I mean, he's, he's a keeper who's had a great career, isn't he? Yeah. Champions League winner. Yeah. yeah, and he'd probably be Premier League winner as well this time next year as well. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Get onto that in the second oh. half, because just before the halftime season, we haven't mentioned VAR yet. Yes. Guess the question is, I mean, it's, a lot's been said about it, the fans are all going to know about it, but for you two in the stadium, what was your actual hands-on experience with VAR like? Were you, do, were, do you feel that you were aware Nonsense. of someone? Yeah, you, you just not. I mean, it, they're not putting it across to the fans, the people who are yeah. paying good money. To go the ones that it actually matters to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pe- people are paying the subscriptions on BT, and even they weren't, weren't putting it over. People didn't know. The City fans were chanting what the... Flipping heck is going on. Could, could have beat it, don't worry. Could you beat it? All right, I'll try, I'll try <laughs> no, We're going to keep this one clean, though. All right. But for yeah, future so reference. The, so the City fans are saying what's going on, and that's when they've just been given a retaken penalty when you'd expect them to be jumping around and cheering because they've been given another chance at it. It's, it's just... And I'm speaking as somebody who is very much for VAR, you know. Uh, I, I like that because I, I like it in rugby league. I like the way it's done in cricket. I think it adds to the game, it, you know. You see the see it go up on the big screen. You can make your own mind up. But you're just getting things flashed up, you know. Possible red card being reviewed. Never yeah. What, what for? What, what, <laughs> what, we saw it against Liverpool in the Community Shield and we saw it again. And luckily BT came up with a replay that showed somebody fling... Was it... 
Anyway, some, somebody put their hand... Flinged an arm in Rodri's face. Or somebody put, put a hand in... So, if, if you're a fan who's paid good money to go and watch the game, you don't know what on earth's going on. Um, and also, the, the application of it, we're told that offsides and uh, whether an offence was inside or outside the box uh, don't... a factual... There can be no argument about it because we can look at the replay and we can say exactly whether that was offside or whether that was inside or outside. Absolute nonsense, and we've we've seen it. And the number of people who said, "Well, we've seen, we've looked at the reviews of the of, of the incidents and they got them right." I've I've looked at the reviews of the incidents. Um, Sterling's offside when he set Jesus's goal up. How on earth can you say that there's no there's no doubt about that? How can you say it was clear and obvious? It it, it wasn't. Um, you know, you start th- you, you, all kinds of things come. In. We were talking about this this morning. Um, all kinds of things come into it. Like, where does your arm begin and your shoulder mm. end? You know, who, who decides where that line yeah. is drawn? It, you just can't. Uh, things come into it. Like, at what precise point? Because it's such so some such small fractions. At what precise point did David Silva's boot push the ball forwards? You know, uh, because if if it's like. Not point, not one of a second before they actually stop the the replay, the video replay. Uh, Sterling mm-hmm. Sterling's onside. Not point, not one second later, he's offside. So these things are not mathematical. They're not factual, which which is being being pushed out. Uh, and for me, that one game has changed my mind completely. I'm I'm yeah. now I'm now a. I'm now completely against it. Yeah, I want it. I want it scrapped immediately. <laughs> back to the '80s. Back to Upton Park. <laughs> back to how it used to be. No, but again, it's. Uh, we, I mean, I know it's been. This has been banged on a lot, but the fans don't know if they can celebrate or not, and it's just taking away the, the great, the greatest joy of football. They've seen your team score a winning goal and and just erupting and, and going wild, but the fans are having to stop. I mean, you, all you used to have, you used to have a quick look at the linesman to see yeah. if there was a flag, and then you go nuts. Now you, you can't just look at the linesman, you've got to look at the ref as he got his finger in his ear, and the, the VIR guy's looking. It's just it's just taking so much away. And, that, you know, all right, you're going to get decisions. The players and the managers seem to all like it because it's their livelihoods and, you know, they, they want things yeah. to be got right. But to me... Getting things wrong is a small price to pay for that spontaneity, which, which is such an important part of football. And for even Pep Guardiola was called for VAR and wants as much technology as possible to help the referees. Even he was questioning after that match whether it will make mistakes or it had made mistakes or it does make mistakes which goes to show you just how bonkers a game it was and the sort of biggest disciples of AR may well be saying you'll never see this the scenario that happened at West Ham happen again this season but it's happened and give it a week and it and it's also kind of brought up feelings like I mean Wolves were not happy this weekend and it's funny because Wilfred Bolly scored with his hand against City last season and it was that that sort of made everyone realise how silly the handball rule was and the handball rule has now been changed and so it doesn't matter whether you intend to handle it or not if it hits your arm then it's a handball and Wolves (laughs) thought they had scored and then it was ruled out because it it hit Wilfred Bolly on the arm and it's kind of the same but it's, it's not because it was sort of 
It seemed a clear and obvious error that Bolly had handled it and something that VAR could check and say, yes, okay, whereas this season... It's just hard. It's it, 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 nobody had saw it. Nobody was claiming for handball. And it's the same with with the Sterling assist, you know, in, this, in the same way that Sterling's second goal was allowed because Jesus was interfering with play. You sort of think, well, what if his shoulder is a millimetre offside? The ball's on the floor. He's what not played it with his shoulder. So it, 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 it Saturday kind of showed that uh, technology dead. was encroaching more. And the Premier League had also made a show after the Women's World Cup of saying in briefings to journalists that it would be very much be down to the team of officials on the pitch. So they wouldn't be letting everything go to VAR and they wouldn't be running over to these screens. Um, and I can only take the match of the day commentators word for this but he said that penalties uh, encroachment would not be used by VAR that would be the referee's call and what do we see on Saturday VAR gives encroachment a penalty so you know who cares whether these decisions are are right or not but they need to sort out the confusion that is still sort of very much there after a week I think the application of the technology needs to be a lot better as well you look at you look at goal line technology I think that's been a huge success mm. it's like the whole kind of tennis isn't it it's just straight to the point you yeah. tap it in get and on you, see, you see you see the shot of the ball yeah, and you can see great. the gap between the ball and the goal line it's very precise especially when it's John Stones no, clearing it just it. off the line yeah that. No, nobody doubted it nobody questioned yeah. that like, you know since, since it's come in well some, some, some local fans ball. questioned it at the Etihad last season <laughs> no comment um <laughs> But this, this I mean, you, you look at the, the pictures that we were seeing of, of Sterling's shoulder being a millimetre offside, or was it? And the pictures, I mean, I don't know if these were TV pictures or, or they, what, what the, the, the VAR officials are using. They look like somebody's taking a crane to them. There's these huge red dotted lines <laughs> plastered all over. Hold on a minute, you know. But, but that's, that's the point, isn't it? Like, they, people who support VAR no matter what say oh well that's only what the TV pitch can show but actually it's far more detailed why, you like, well, why can't we see that oh, can't we yeah if, it's if, like Area 51 isn't it that's <laughs> the problem that's the problem you've with cracked VAR. it <laughs> we've got to the bottom but yeah I mean for me being a football fan the beauty of it is injustice your team either losing it late on or winning it for a jammy goal I just I'm, I'm always yeah. going to be against that so I love hip hop I just love it I love the drama I mean I anything chaos. that gets more respect for referees than than fine because yeah. it takes but at the same time they shouldn't just be allowed to get away with every controversial decision by saying oh technology technology and that's what we saw yeah. in the Women's World Cup and too so kind of ruin the spectacle what we've gone from I mean we go line technology they took that away from the the human aspects, which was the referee of the linesman knowing that the ball was over the line. They handed that to technology, which tells you instantly, yes, the ball was over the line, or no, it wasn't. But with this, you're taking away the human aspect of the referee and the linesman deciding offsides and, and whether a foul was in the area and so on, and handing it over to another set of humans to interpret the technology. And, this, and to me, they're still going to get it wrong. And when they get it wrong now, it's going to, there's going to be hell to pay. You imagine that in a big game. You know, it didn't matter on Saturday because City won 5-0 anyway. But can you imagine if that, that goal had been the last minute against Liverpool when they're both going for the title and, and it gets ruled out? They'd be, oh, they'd be hell to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, the City fans would... Or if it was the other way around, there'd be a revolution. You know, Merseyside would be <laughs> in flames. Um, so... 
you know, it doesn't. It, it's not a case of we're taking the, taking it out of the hands of frail humans and putting it in the hands of precise technology. We're not. We're keeping it in the hands of frail humans. We're just giving giving them a bit of a hand. But when it's tight, if it's that tight, the goal should stand. The, the original decision should stand, like they do in cricket. You know, it, it, if it's tight, it comes down to the umpire's call. When you're talking about half a millimetre on somebody's shoulder, that should go to the referee's call. Maybe that's a way. I think football needs to learn from cricket and from rugby league to pick the best bits out of yeah. that and use them, which, which it isn't doing at the moment. I'm just looking forward to when City drop points against a small team and they think we've got Vardiola instead throughout the game, but we'll wait and see about that. Uh, half-time in the Talking City podcast and we've got a teaser for Stu and Syke. Quite an easy one to start the new season. Good. Raheem Sterling scored his 50th Premier League goal for City at the weekend. And I want you, after the break, to name the other fives to have achieved that feat. We will be back you're, after you're this break. five, did you yeah, say? You're we'll, five. We'll be back. In the current squad? Just of all time. But in Premier League. Oh, in the Premier League. Yeah, right, but we'll be back right. after this short break. Hello and welcome back to the Talking City podcast for the Manchester News. Just before the break, we left Stu and Sai with the teaser question. Raheem Sterling netted his 50th Premier League goal for City at the weekend. But who are the other five players to have achieved that feat? Sai's counting on his fingers right now. We'll go one each, one at a time. Well, can I go first then? Well, let Stu go first. That's very kind of you. Uh, I'll go for Aguero. That's a good bet. I'll give you that one. Sai? Uh I think he might have scored his 50th goal recently. I will say David Silva. Correct. Three more to get. Raheem Sterling. Yeah, but he's wanting that. <laughs> <laughs> I, see what, I see what you've done there. Oh, right. All right. There's um, no three. Carlos Tevez. Correct. Ooh. Two more. wasn't sure about Tevez. How about Dzeko? Edin Dzeko. Correct. One more. Excellent. Uh, We've made it. One more. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Just like that. What a start to the season. Five goals for City, five right for no the panel. No need for VAR for that one. <laughs> no, we'll let you have that one. All you can celebrate, celebrate as much as you want, Stu. You can take that top off. We won't give you a yellow. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. But yeah, second half of the podcast is going to be more general looking at the... Uh, Premier League for the season ahead and we've seen all the teams play now City top of the league whether it matters or not at the stage and goal difference but have you seen anything from the other sides to suggest City might have a tougher challenge in the title race this season well obviously I mean they, Liverpool started as we'd expect um, with a jammy goal <laughs> <laughs> no I mean you, look you, you I don't think you're looking beyond City and Liverpool. I know United United room four 0 and everybody let them have gets, their moment. Gets excited, but they've, they've got to sustain it and show this. And Liverpool and City have shown they can sustain that kind of form and those kind of results throughout a season. Um, so I don't really see beyond that. It's going to be interesting to see how losing Allison for a while will will affect Liverpool because uh, just as Edison is with City, is an important important part of what they do. Um, so you're underestimating Andy Lonergan there, Steve. Well, yes. It'd be good yeah. to see Lonergan versus Carson, wouldn't it? <laughs> I thought Andy Lonergan was the guy who sang Did you chewing gum lose its flavour on the bedpost overnight? But I'm going to have to Google that one when I get home. Apparently not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still think City, City and Liverpool. I mean, people are talking about other clubs coming into it with Tottenham. Um, Tottenham weren't exactly 
thrilling and, and uh, convincing at the weekend. Um, I, I only saw bits of United. They didn't. They didn't look like a four 0 You probably saw more of it than I did. Um, it didn't look like a four 0 result, even though it's a it's a good start for them. I, I just I think it's I think it's City and Liverpool again. I'd be very surprised if anyone else comes comes close to them. Side, so, do you agree with that? Or just a question for the sake of a question, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think it's hard to look beyond City and Liverpool, and I think it's hard to look beyond City for the title because they're just so good. I didn't think they played that well against West Ham and West Ham are a team that are trying to break into the top six and they've beaten them 5-0 De Bruyne having looked made the game look effortless all summer he was suddenly trying to force everything he didn't really play play that well Pep had a few words with him after he came off you had Bernardo um, on the bench Aguero on the bench I mean Mourinho said it didn't he City B team could could challenge for the league. They've 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 done nothing to suggest that they won't win the title. But I, I think Liverpool will challenge, but I think there's more pressure on Liverpool this season than there was last year. Um because they've actually sort of been there and done it almost. Um so it's pressure on them to sort of show they can do it again, whereas City have already done that. I think I, I don't know, I just probably be proved wrong, but I think it's very, very hard to look past City again. Where do you actually think City's B team would finish in the Premier League? <laughs> well, if they could play together, every, yeah. obviously it'd be, it'd be a bit tight in terms of the squad. But, um, <laughs> top four. Yeah, I, I think they're pretty much in top four. I mean, you look at, you know, Simon mentioned some of the players who were on the bench, Aguero and something, but Gundogan's another one, you know, there's, there's some, some top quality players who, who aren't getting the look in. Um, I mean, Gundogan for me is... is close to world class if not world class um, and yet he's looking at a season like he was last season um, sitting on the bench watching them play uh, he, he, I think he played 23 started 23 out of the 38 league games last season which isn't a bad percentage but a lot of those were because Fernandinho was injured um, now they've got Rodri as well so you, you've got you've got top class players like that who can't, can't. And he signed up for more as well, hasn't he? Good ones, he know. <laughs> he has, he has, but um, he knows he'll play, and when he does play, he makes a huge contribution. Um, so, yeah, I mean they, they've got so they've got such such a strong squad, especially now they've, they've brought Rodri in as well, and they brought Cancelo in. Danilo was a little bit um, little bit wishy washy in terms of he wasn't putting pressure on Kyle Walker. Now there is pressure on, you know, Danilo, you got the feeling he was quite happy to be the number two. He, mm. wasn't, he wasn't really setting his stall out. Um, Cancelo's made it plain that he's he's not going to be happy with that. He wants to play. Um, and I, I think fullback is a, an area where you need to rotate because, he, you know, playing playing that pep, pep system, it's, it's such a high energy, high energy position. So I, th- I think in terms of the depth, they're, they're even better than they were last season. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I could see a B team finishing finishing top four. Perhaps we'll we'll find out one day. Who knows? Yeah, I'd, see see if the powers that be get their get their wish. But uh, I, I think centre back and left back would be your only yeah. worries. Yeah, I think they're the weak positions in the squad. I'm not sure. Well, they don't have four centre backs, do they? 
of senior so, players, yeah. so they won't be able to but then it, field a B team of, of centre backs. I, I guess in a hypothetical world, someone like Eric Garcia would get his magic. Yeah, 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 and and Fernandinho as well yeah. comes in at, at number. But it's not going to happen. Yeah. So who's, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, I've said I can't see Beyonce for the title, but it, it, I could see him getting exposed. Still in those areas, centre back yeah. and left back. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, City as well if you count the form of last season they're still on a remarkable winning run in the Premier League they're only four games off breaking their own record of most consecutive wins in the division but Tottenham this weekend of course we have to say it's going to be a trickier test than West Ham you'd definitely hope so for a viewing spectacle anyway but what do you expect from City against Spurs this weekend because I guess the last time the sides met was that just moments after that Champions League clash anyway and City were the better team that day as well and they had a real point to prove and as you said City are, are the better side on paper but it's an improved Spurs side from last season certainly And Yeah I think they should come out firing first home game of the season it's I mean Guardiola don't like playing at half 12 but half 5 should sort of fire them up um, and they've got a point to prove like you say against a very good Tottenham team uh, they looked at Ndombele in over the last 12 months, really. So they'll have to... Rodri versus Ndombele will be one of the, uh, and the talking points, I'm sure. And LaSalle City as well, wasn't he? Was it yeah, Tottenham? yeah, Tottenham. yeah. So um, there's, there's plenty of narratives. Harry Kane versus Raheem Sterling. Harry Kane versus Sergio Aguero. Um, there's, Scott yeah, there's, Carson versus... <laughs> there's a lot to look forward to. And Hugo Lloris has actually had many a shocker against City. So... He, uh, he'll be hoping to be a bit more secure. I know they've played since it's stupid, but do you think that Champions League clash from last season adds a bit of extra spice to, to the game? Do you think City do almost want to prove themselves extra against Spurs to sort of prove that it was a fluke defeat? And- uh, I don't think so. I'm not sure I'm not sure players think that way. No. Maybe when they play Liverpool they do, because that's, you know, they're just such close rivals these days. But I, I don't think... I don't think players players think that way particularly. Um, I mean, the, the Champions League was there was such a massive emotional come down right at the end of the of that game, uh, and you were looking for that to spill over into the league game, which was like three or four days later. Um, and of course, Phil Foden scored early on, which sort of gave City the edge. But the way I remember that game is that towards the end, City were hanging on a little bit. You know, Tottenham were were creating chances and. Uh, City looked emotionally drained and physically, physically compromised, and uh, it could have gone. It could have gone either way. Uh, and the fact that they, they held on for the three points was a was a huge, huge result, and it, it, it set them up for uh, for the derby game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think they'll be looking at it in terms of revenge and so on against against Tottenham. It's just. It's just three points, and it's it's a it's a, a big opponent, you know. Somebody, if you're looking at who could challenge City in Liverpool, you, Spurs would probably be top of your list. Um, they were certainly the closest last season, um, so it's, it's it is a test from from that point of view. But but you look look at the players, you'd expect Aguero to come in, uh, given his record against Spurs. He's you know he scored quite a lot of goals against them down the years. Um, I would expect him to come in um, instead of Jesus. Although having said that, I mean Jesus has looked a lot livelier in training. He looked lively um, uh, uh, down at West Ham. 
and Aguero looks a little looks a little bit sluggish, you know, as if he's he's still struggling with Copa America. He's he's never looked like the uh, the kind of player who who comes out the blocks at the start of the season or, or when he's he's been out for any length of time. Um, so maybe maybe Jesus will get the nod, but it, I mean whoever plays. Another nice. You'd back City to beat Spurs. Another nice problem for Guardiola to have. Last question for you both. We didn't get to do our pre-season predictions last week because of the uh, transfer window and press conferences and all that. So after one game of the season, I think this is the perfect time to ask you. I'm guessing who's going to win the Premier League is a pretty straightforward question for you both to answer. City. <laughs> Le- uh, City. <laughs> nice question. Uh, the other question we've got, and you've already touched on this lovely both of you today top scorer this season for Man City who would you if you had to put a charity bet on it who would you back yeah I'd, I'd, I'd perhaps go for Sterling even before he'd scored the hat-trick yeah. I'd probably have said that to me I, I wouldn't have done but now he has scored a hat-trick I'd say Sterling as well <laughs> that's a good answer uh, and the last question is who would you tip to be player of the season oh yeah it's such an unfair question, which will just come back to haunt you and ridicule you. I, I, w- I would have said De Bruyne before the season started, and I probably still will. Say, but Scott Carson. But, uh, Riyad Mahrez was very, very good. Do you both think that Riyad Mahrez can make that sort of impact this season then? Do you think it's going to be, he's going to be a proper first name on team sheet sort of season for him? Or? I mean, he was doing things against West Ham that he did at Leicester that he wasn't doing last season at City, which I think bodes very well for both him and City. I think that's a good shout, but I'll still go for Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. I think he's he's got so much to prove after having the season out. Um, another name that I'll throw in is, is Emmerich Laporte, who I think was excellent just last season, possibly player of the season last season, but... Uh, um, he's just so consistent these days I can, I can think of him having one bad game last season so he's another one uh, you, you just wonder when France are going to realise it yeah <laughs> their loss is City's gain Absolutely. I'm sure Pep Guardiola doesn't mind too much Stu Sai thank you very much for joining us today on Talking City we'll be back next time to reflect on whatever happens at the Etihad this weekend against Tottenham please do leave a like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and we'll see you again next time